Welcome to The Green Insider, powered by eRenewable. Each and every podcast, hosts Mike Niemer and Greg Frank will bring you energy experts to help you better understand the renewable and sustainability space. Education is important to us because it's important to you, the listener. Now here's Mike Niemer and Greg Frank. We welcome you into the Green Insider, powered by eRenewable. My name is Greg Frank. We're going to get to eRenewable CEO Mike Niemer in just a few minutes, as he has a pair of guests on today's episode. But before we get to 164, let's check in with eRenewable COO Ann Niemer. She's got a few words for us. So here's Ann. Ann Niemer here, COO of eRenewable. We know today whether you're a public company, private equity, or privately held company. ESG and sustainability are important to your company. At eRenewable, we can help you achieve some of those goals. If you have any questions or need any assistance with regards to reaching your sustainability goals, please visit us at eRenewable.com to learn more. As always, thank you for listening to The Green Insider, powered by eRenewable. Welcome to The Green Insider podcast, powered by eRenewable. I am Mike Niemer, and thank you guys so much for joining us today. Today, we have two great guests on both from the Acuity brand company. We have Lauren Scott, VP of Marketing and Sustainability. We also have Adam Handler, Director of Corporate Sustainability and Communications. Welcome to the show, Lauren and Adam. How are you today? Great, Mike, thank you. Doing well, thanks. Well, we are gonna jump right into this. You know, you guys came to me via a podcast agent and the topic that she talked about was this corporate sustainability report that you all had published for your brand, Atreus. But before we get into that, I'd like the listeners to know a little bit more about each of you. Adam, why don't you get started and tell us a little bit about you and how'd you end up in the renewable, sustainable markets? Sure thing, Mike. Well, so first of all, Acuity Brands is a company that manufactures, among other things, LED lighting, lighting controls, and building controls as well as energy management and carbon accounting software. So essentially we're in the business of helping customers manage and reduce their own emissions. Uh, And we really have positioned ourselves at the intersection of sustainability and technology, the result of which is a sustainability strategy that's fully integrated into the company. Uh, I've been been with the company since we started our sustainability journey about three, four years ago. And I run the Earthlight program, which is how we coordinate all of our ESG activities. And what that means for me is that I get to move seamlessly between looking after our own carbon footprint and being a subject matter expert for any of our product teams, our sales teams, and our sourcing teams as we look up and down the value chain. Man, that's awesome. Uh, Lauren, uh, tell us a little bit about you since Adam kind of covered the company. What do you do? What do you do? Yeah, absolutely. So I actually sit on one of the business segments, Acuity Brands is divided into two parallel collaborative groups. One, which is that classic lighting and lighting control side. And then the other side is where I sit, which is the intelligence spaces group. And that's definitely where my background lies. I've spent the past 10 years in the clean tech space, part of that in renewables, but most of it in smart buildings. And so the intelligence spaces group groups together two different brands. We have Distech Controls, which people might be more familiar with that sort of sector, which is BMS or HVAC controls, really making buildings more energy efficient through controllers, sensors, and software in the built space. And then over the past couple of years, we've layered in this Atreus software. So I came up through the manufacturing side 
adding on now with the cloud capabilities, it's really been an interesting progression in the space and certainly where we see the industry going overall right now. Well, it sounds like your uh, company is fully integrated within the energy efficiency space in this marketplace. And you know anybody that's doing anything within the ESG world knows that they have to become more energy efficient, be able to meet some of their net zero or carbon reduction plans. Are you finding more and more people coming to you every day talking about how do I get closer to net zero? How can I become more efficient? What's kind of the common theme that you're seeing in the market? The pressure is coming from everywhere, right? So, so we've got um, you know some big customers that have made big swings like a net zero announcement, including us, right? We've made a, a net zero, uh, set our net zero ambition at 2040. Um, and we've got big customers and big suppliers that have similar commitments. There's also pressure now coming from, uh, from investors, um, coming from the public, right? The proliferation of serious weather events is drawing everyone's attention to climate change. Um, the Biden administration is making it a bigger part of their, uh, a bigger part of their focus. Yeah, I, I would say that it, it's been interesting to see this transition and that's really where we, what we see in the state of corporate sustainability report is a shift I would say over the past couple of years that certainly energy management has been very important for companies over the years. But what, we, what we're seeing change actually is that in the past, depending on quite honestly on the price of energy, interest would go up and down depending on price. And what we've seen over the past couple of years is that this interest continues to climb regardless of even when there are valleys in that energy pricing. Um, so that interest continues to drive forward. And we're also seeing that companies no longer view energy management as the be all end all of a sustainability journey. This is definitely seen on the intelligence spaces side where that used to be the primary focus of where companies were working, but we now see that it is kind of one step in a broader sustainability journey. So as Adam mentioned, going beyond the energy conversation to now talk about emissions, for example, is one transition or thinking more holistically in terms of a company's operations. So it's really taking on a broader scope, I think, than what we used to view sustainability as. Uh, and but really progressing across all different industries as seen in the results of our report. Well, in that report, Lauren, you know, we're seeing more and more corporates having to put that sustainability report inside their annual report. Uh, when you go to conferences and, and these topics have to be high on the list with regards to uh, what the conversation and the keynote speakers are talking about, aren't they? Yes, it's it's definitely picking up steam and it's so interesting to see the shift i'd say over the past couple of years again you might have had panels talking about connectivity of systems or even data management within a building but it was less this higher level esg conversation and certainly regulations were very limited in terms of looking at that opportunity so in the past you might have had some specific markets notably california or new york where this was a hot topic at conferences, but it was not something that you saw across the board. And then now with broader regulations, like for example, what is being proposed by the SEC in terms of emissions reporting, we're seeing this be a hot topic in terms of kind of risk avoidance, but then also an opportunity for those within the space. Well, you know, Adam, uh, everybody's dealing with scope one, two, and three with regards to all the reporting that that's going on out there. 
Are you guys facing those questions from your customers about, you know, where does my HVAC fall within scope one, two, three? I'm using that as an example or, or LED lighting or so on and so forth. Are those things you guys have to deal with every day? Well, it's less from our customers about where our various products fall, but more about how our various products can help them. Um, and then what we're hearing all across the board, like I feel it internally, we, we hear it from suppliers, we hear it from customers, is that challenge with gathering data, automating data, and calculating the, the results for all of the many different stakeholders and, 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 uh, and ratings organizations that are asking for it. That's been the, the trickiest thing to, to, to resolve. And we've taken a product, we've taken a, an Atrius product that was very good at gathering and visualizing energy data and turned it into a full carbon reporting tool, which I used to report to produce our last ESG report. And we're now putting out into the marketplace to help all of our customers with. So that carbon reporting tool, Adam, you know, we hear people talk about, you know, carbon credits and CO2 reduction, so on and so forth. Uh, tell us a little bit about more of that reporting tool, because I don't have many people come on and talk about having a tool for the carbon like that. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, sure. Well, first of all, um, you know, let me, let me refer back to the, the state of corporate sustainability report that we uh, purportedly came on here to talk about. Um, one of the findings of that report was that the survey respondents across the board uh, indicated that various barriers to getting good data, um, uh, like there's a you know, segment of, of, the, of the reporting public that is gathering data manually and managing, and managing, managing it in spreadsheets, um, or uh, you know, if they're, if they're facing challenges gathering data from across their value chain. All of these things mean that the limited ESG report resources of a company like Lauren and I are the only folks at our entire large company that spend all of our time thinking about ESG. We spend more of our time thinking about data collection and not enough time on data analysis and action. So that's sort of the starting point. Everyone has this problem. The next step is if the SEC does in fact finalize their ESG rule, and I think they will sometime this year, we don't know exactly what it'll look like, but we've got ideas. There's gonna be a gigantic rush to gather high quality data on scope one and two and three uh, emissions. And that's gonna pose a gigantic problem for most companies. So into that breach, we have a tool that is very good at um, connecting with various sources of data. So um, I picture um, Mint for energy utilities. I'm not sure if you ever used that tool, but right, it, it sort of dials out and talks to the API of uh, your various banks. Atrius Building Insights dials out and talks to the API at um, uh, Pacific Gas and Electric and Con Ed and Georgia Power here in Atlanta and all of the other utilities and gathers your energy consumption automatically. We now have a way to gather and take um, raw data and convert to um, into CO2, CO2 equivalent, all of your scope one and scope three sources as well. And then package it up in here are the data points that you need for your ESG report. Here are the data points that you need for the carbon disclosure project and each of the other various uh, uh, reporting sources. So it takes a huge amount of my work and lets the bots work on it. So I get to spend much more time on the strategy and the analysis and the implementation. Well, Lauren, with all that said, I know you had said in the beginning how uh, you and Adam are two different parts of the company. How does everything he just told kind of fit in with what you do or do you some, do something just a little bit different than what he watches? 
Well, Adam is definitely deep in using the tool itself of using HBS Building Insights, which is pretty special, I think, as part as being part of a larger organization to have one of the in-house brands, so being Atrius in this case, and developing the actual technology that we're going to be using for our sustainability reporting. So Adam certainly has the exposure there and the knowledge and depth. Um, on my side, I would say probably just that, that close proximity with our customer base. And um, for the intelligence spaces group, that is really spread globally we do have probably our stronghold here in north america but we do have a number of customers actually a large percentage of our customers over in europe where we see regulations we've been talking about the sec on this podcast episode but certainly what we're seeing in the uk right now with tcfd coming into an effect um, in france there are strong regulations pertaining to the service sector buildings and just the, the i guess the officialization of reporting in terms of our emissions we're just seeing that demand coming from all directions. And it's not just kind of some individuals within an organization who have a passion for sustainability, but there's a real business case for developing tools like this, uh, for empowering our customers with the ability to kind of not only reduce their emissions through energy efficiency, be able, but be able to track and then ultimately report that information to outside organizations. Well, Lauren, you led me right into uh what's going on across the pond. You know, I wanted to uh, also talk corporately uh, what's going on in the United States versus over there in the UK and what you see in France, so on and so forth. And you kind of led right into that. So are they having to also put corporate reports out over there, just like you're starting to do here and that we may have to do here if uh, the SEC passes the right rules? What are you seeing over there versus what we do here? It's been so eye-opening having offices in different areas, and, and we have one, we actually have two based in France, one in Paris and one in an area called Lyon. And when we talk about sustainability being top of mind, they, they almost not laugh at that idea, but it's, like, it's so deeply ingrained in policy, but then in just kind of, I think, the day-to-day -day mindset as to the importance of they're calling it energy sobriety with everything going on. I think there's a proximity to what is going on in Ukraine and Russia and the impact on our energy sources right now. And they are feeling that pinch a lot more. And so I think that it's just part of their day-to-day -day conversations. And as a result, it is less shocking that these this kind of push for sustainability and emissions reporting is very top of mind. So already certain markets, France definitely leading the way um, amongst other countries, but we do see this progress. It is part of their day-to-day -day at this point. They have even more and more tools coming in, different programs that are everything from kind of regulations as to what you can and cannot do from energy usage, but then also kind of that balancing side of how do you create awareness amongst occupants um, as to the energy being consumed within a built space or emissions coming from a built space as well. Well, thank you for that. Adam, do you see your customers uh, more in the corporate sector or do you see them also bleeding over into the private equity sector too? I think it's interesting that the pressure comes from everywhere, right? There are customer expectations, uh, there are investor expectations. What I was really surprised about was our supplier expectations. You know, over the last couple of years during the pandemic, 
we've had significant supply chain challenges, right? And so I sort of, um, in trying to green the company, was relatively hands-off with respect to our suppliers. Um, I didn't, you know, it, it was enough that it was hard enough to just get the stuff we needed to keep making light fixtures uh, that I didn't want to try to layer on uh, additional burdens on them yet. But in fact, what happened was we started getting reached out to by our suppliers who are doing the right things. They're measuring their carbon footprint. They're reducing their carbon footprint. They're, they're foot forward in sustainability and they wanted us to know about it, right? As we're taking a bigger stand um, on sustainability, they want to know how aligned they are with our values. They wanted to get credit for it and they want to help us on our journey. And that's been really exciting to, to, to be a part of it to see. Well, both of you have uh, covered the world of ESG and corporate reporting and a little energy efficiency talk in there because that's the net effect of all your HVAC and LED uh, products that you're selling and the automation. Is there anything else that uh, you guys want to add to this conversation? I just want to share one finding from the from the report, which is that yeah, please. Um, we, you know, we asked sort of where uh, respondents were in their sustainability journey, and, and they're all over the place. Some are way ahead of, of the game, and some are just getting started and everything in between. But only 2% said they hadn't started. And I thought that was a really hopeful sign that, that finally, right, we're, we're lagging where the science says we should be as a society, and the U.S. is way behind Europe, but we're finally getting moving, and that's a really hopeful sign. Yeah, that is hopeful. And so I want you to clarify something. Of the 300 you had surveyed, only 2% had not started down the ESG journey in the path. Is that what you're trying to say? That's exactly right. Well, that, that's, that's an incredible uh, number. That catches me a little bit off guard. I didn't expect it to be that high. Did you? I didn't. Yeah, so that's great. You guys are doing a wonderful job. Keep it up. Uh, Lauren, any final thoughts? No, I mean, maybe just adding on to, to that, you know, you were asking about that 2% and I'm just have the numbers pulled up here. I completely echo what Adam is saying and that I think it's extremely hopeful. And I think it's very honest as well. So we have from those numbers, 60% of respondents feel like they're on track and 38% say that they're behind or just getting started. And I think that actually paints a very honest portrait and it's encouraging because it does speak to the fact that probably people were being very honest in responding uh, to this feedback. And we actually recently had a webinar where we had representatives, including Adam and a number of different individuals from, uh, for example, higher ed and, and different sectors speak to the findings of this report. We also recently had a webinar hosted by Smart Energy Decisions and Atrius, where we had panelists from higher education, consulting and we also had our own Adam Handler on that webinar and we were talking about these findings and just how true they are in terms of if we've if we had all respondents saying that they are completely on track and then we look at the state of climate and where we are with emissions I think it would have been indicative that perhaps people weren't being too fully truthful or aware of where they are on their journey um, but one of the other pieces of feedback that came from this webinar that we will make available on atrius.com is that it also shows as we get deeper and deeper into sustainability, so people in roles like Adams or mine, um, we do realize as we achieve one goal, we then see how much further we have to go. It's it's kind of like an incremental journey that we're all on. There's no real destination. Sustainability is definitely a journey. It's what we're seeing in this report. 
that there are different incremental steps that we need to take. But as we get further, we see what more we can do, which I think if we view it as a path and not necessarily an endpoint, it's we can take, I guess, inspiration and in that it's something that we continue to grow on. We can continue to rally stakeholders from across organizations as we move towards that kind of collective vision. Well, very good. Lauren and Adam, you know, I usually end most of our shows by asking uh, the guest to, or in this case, guest, to um, tell us, look into the future and tell us what they think. And I think your comments on that survey and everything has just told everybody what the future looks like. We may have a ways to go to 2040, 2050 to be net zero in a lot of these companies, but the positive news that both of you have shared with us today is everybody started that journey. And as you said, we're now going down the right path and just a matter of a process till we get to the end result. So thank you guys so much for your time. Thank you for joining us on the Green Insider powered by eRenewable.